0: Welcome to Live at the Napa, you're here with JB and David Cunningham. Hey, now today we've got a whole lot of really interesting stuff. So the one I like most, we've got three topics, the one I like most is titled commons cash cow has colic we'll unpack that one for you a bit later we've also yeah. had the monetary policy statement this week and yep. comments on the ocr and so on And there's some interesting <coughs> stuff in there um in terms of house prices so we've got a pretty good conversation about that yep. and also the other reflections in the nps particularly around places like china and other parts of the world that are going into some potentially pretty dire <laughs> Um, things. So where should we start? Well let's start with Adrian right in the monetary okay. policy statement. Yeah so I'd call it a hawkish quite a hawkish uh, statement you know they said that the OCR is going to stay high for long they left the the door open to further rises though it didn't feel like it was further rises likely it just felt like to me that OCR would remain at this current 5.5 percent level for a long time and in fact their Ford forecast didn't have the OCR dropping for literally almost two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. JB, are we going to have an OCR of 5.5% for two more years? Yeah, 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 ab- absolutely not. So th- this is the, the funny thing, right? Because
1: economists always forecast business as usual, assuming no black swan events
0: or no
1: unexpected events but by definition every event is unexpected
0: i'll tell you something i there was a graph in one of those reserve bank uh in the in the mps and it had this really jagged line going up and down and all that and then it had a straight line going forward (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 which is exactly what you say you know you forecast something it never turns out that
1: way. i mean the, the, the bizarre thing for me was you know we have a forecast that says the ocr is not going to change until 2025 and then the very next day or a couple of days later you know, at that uh, Finance Select Committee thing that they have, um, you know, they're bloody fretting about China,
0: as they should be because
1: yeah. what's going on in China at the moment is pretty damn scary
0: and yeah. has big implications for New Zealand. Well, I mean, we're already seeing it in yeah. dairy in dairy exports in well, particular. You know, $2 billion taken out of the economy literally in the last two weeks because dairy prices have plummeted. And when the MPS was done, the next night, they plummeted another 7%, I think it was. Yeah. So, you know, we're probably, yeah. Well, so. there's
1: dairy prices, and I think we've got the same thing occurring across pretty much all of our agricultural prices. Uh, same thing for Australia. You know, mm. commodities are going to get hit pretty hard because there's a genuine and, and pretty significant slowdown occurring in the Chinese economy. And they happen to be our biggest trading partner.
0: So, So we're already seeing major impacts hitting New Zealand. And that will change behaviour in the farming community and other parts of the community. So it's not like something that might happen. It is happening. happening. Now, this
1: is the thing our farmers aren't making any money. Mm. And, you know, for them, high interest rates are an absolute killer. You know, a large number of farmers, they have farm debt. Mm. And uh, and that has got a hell of a lot more expensive for them. Mm. At the same time, you know, input costs in terms mm. of labour costs and fertiliser mm. have gone up, mm. and now they've got depressed prices mm. at the farm gate. Right. So farming. So then is back. A cluster back, f- back to Excuse the language. Yeah. <laughs>
0: There'll be a beep instead. <laughs> if you heard a beep, it was because JB um, swore. Yeah, mm. swore. Um, so back to the financial expenditure committee yeah. where or spoke about the economy and all that. So he'd gone from a, effectively quite a hawkish MPS tone, without rates rising, but with rates yeah. not falling for ages, to quite a, how would you describe it, a, a, well, I don't know, a cautionary, cautionary yeah.
1: sort of tone about China, right? And I think China's fascinating because, of course, the other things that have been happening there, you had their second biggest uh, house builder, well, actually, arguably their largest house builder, Country Garden, basically default on two payments. So the this would be
0: like Fletcher building, construction, whatever, ground broke?
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, but these guys build over 140,000 houses a year. <laughs>
0: okay, that's... Uh...
1: <laughs> and apparently, I think the reported loss I saw somewhere is looking like it's going to be over $7.6 billion US. Wow. Yeah, Imagine Fletcher's coming out reporting a loss that big.
0: Yeah, yeah. so what you're saying is that with those things, not just as things on the horizon, but things actually happening Hattening. in our biggest trading partner, <clears throat> the impact on New Zealand will flow through, which is something we started talking about last week or the week before as well. The governor's talking about it, and yet he's forecasting keeping interest rates high. Now, now, to be fair though, interest rates are high to control inflation. So whatever's happening in China, how does that flow into the inflation outcome in New Zealand? What's the sort of transmission mechanism? Sort of
1: deflationary forces, right? So it's an economic so, slowdown. So we could so...
0: demand, and so yeah. And actually, I mean, we've sort of started to see that. We could demand
1: for our exports, that's yeah. what's dropping prices, yeah. Yeah. that yeah. flows through to and, farmers and, not spending money. In some
0: ways, the first thing we'll see is going to be businesses going broke, right? And actually, we had quite a big one in Wellington, where I come from, this week, which was Wishbone, the the lunch bar sort of coffee place. 20 shops gone, broke, and liquidation this week. Yeah, look,
1: I'm not surprised because this is discretionary spend. So, So what you're starting to see happen in New Zealand is a lot of these really cool kind of businesses that sort of flourished mm. when uh, we had high discretionary income like mm. think back to covid right when interest rates were mm. really low you had your boutique breweries
0: craft breweries craft, yeah. in fact, beer, haven't there been two craft breweries that have gone into liquidation
1: yeah so epic epic went under and i think was it brother brothers i think sure. it was brothers yeah, and epic yeah. in fact i know um,
0: someone at another craft brewery and they said the only thing <coughs> keeping them afloat is their zero alcohol beer, yeah. which is sort of a growth which market. Which is a growth market. But the others, yeah. they're, they're, they're too expensive and people have stopped that discretionary spend. So we are seeing that natural transmission coming through the economy Into in the, the form of business discretionary failure. Discretionary stuff, right? Yeah, where there's business failure recurring. So, so yeah. think
1: about it. Uh, my food bag... Mm. Thus struggling because I think that's one of those places where convenience and discretionary dollar went. Your boutique breweries, I think mm. we're starting to see the same thing come through in the wine industry. Yeah. You know, let's face it, our wine's so damn expensive. You yeah. when you can afford it, you so can Mount, afford Mount it. Mount
0: difficulties <laughs> off the menu and.
1: Well, look, I just, I just, be, you know, back on. in my household, I have a terrible knack of signing up to wine directly from the wineries. You know, I go down there and the they're like, you know that, give, eh? give me your credit card and you give them the credit card and then this wine turns up every three or four months. You know, six months ago, cause I had to confront, you know, my loans rolling over at seven percent yeah i went through Cancel and cancelled them
0: yeah. all actually i just cancelled this <coughs> guy's tv's subscriptions too and yeah. i've just been too lazy to it. and it's like yeah so back onto the um the ocr so i suppose what we've got is the reserve bank saying it's a long time till it falls all the indicators <laughs> saying it actually is going to be much sooner than we think the market's still pricing the OCR to stay high for long in terms of swap rates are right up there. I
1: don't know what they're looking at.
0: Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, no, you're right, Dave,
1: because look, this is a frustrating thing, right? Because you go, okay, farmers, absolutely struggling. It's the backbone of the New Zealand economy, right? Mm. And then you go, young people, first home buyers, young families that own properties and are absolutely getting squeezed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And are we hitting the right parts of the economy with these high interest mm-hmm. rates?
0: Well, hopefully it's sort of temporary. I had an interesting discussion before about is it ethical for the OCR to go up and down? And I said, well, actually, the, it's not a matter of ethics, but what's the right <clears throat> thing to do? The best thing to do for the benefit of the most vulnerable people in society is not to have inflation because inflation yeah. hurts no, vulnerable people more. Actually, well-off people benefit from inflation. Hey, anyway, moving on from that then, OCR remaining high, quite a hawkish sort of NPS, forecast of interest rates to stay high for longer. Our viewers, remains, in our opinion, that interest rates are going to fall quite substantially over the course of 2024.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think the two things to look out for in China yep. would be number one. And bearing in mind that as we've kept talking about you know, the reality is that Kiwi households are still facing into at least another one to one and a half percent increase yeah. Yeah. in, in so, interest so, rates.
0: So the monetary policy tightening continues, still continuing, a pace, a pace at a rapid pace. Yeah. Hey, so what does that then mean for house prices? Because the other interesting <coughs> thing in the Reserve Bank's monetary policy statement was the graph that they had of house prices, and they've lifted that curve massively. In other words, you know, they've gone from house prices are falling. house prices are rising you know that's the current forecast now westpac also came out this week with i think the forecast of eight percent higher house prices next year yeah so is now arguably the sweet spot to buy houses (laughs) well yeah what are the pros and cons right now quite possibly right Let's
1: dissect that a little bit, because I think another interesting thing is the real pain in the construction sector still to come through. Yeah. So just if we were to take a step back, you know, we talked about China, we talked about that being pro- problematic. You're still going to see a lot of pain in the construction sector domestically. So I go weak commodity prices. Uh, not good for New Zealand. Weak construction sector, that's not good for GDP either. Weak retail, weak weak hospitality. You know, it feels like our economy is going to get pretty hard hit next year, to be honest. Let's backtrack a bit. So I think that's going to be a driver for rates to start to decrease by middle of next year. Uh, Personal view, obviously. Opinion. (laughs) Um, When you get to house prices, you know, because someone asked me the other day, said, well, with interest rates as high and forecast to stay high, how, how can you also forecast House prices to increase, right? Because aren't house prices driven by interest rates and high interest rates means lower house prices? And I think that's true. And that's why you know we've seen a 20% nominal reduction in house prices over the last year and a half, right? Mm. House price, as interest rates went up, mm. house prices got absolutely smashed. Mm. What's happening uh, next year is that that is true, but over time, those high interest rates are due to inflation and over time, Inflation transfers through to incomes. Hmm. So, you know, over the last two to three years, people have experienced uh, higher nominal incomes because, you know, companies have been forced to keep up with inflation. If you think about the government at the moment, you know, they're in all sorts of negotiations over, you know, teachers, salaries, Hmm. nurses, all sorts Hmm. of things, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, some of those are like 14% pay rises over a couple of years, right?
1: Exactly. So, So what's happening is that the increase in nominal incomes eventually flows through into house prices because affordability is improving even at those higher interest rates. So if you think about nominal incomes increasing over time and certainly over the last two to three years, nominal house prices have fallen by 20% or in real terms have fallen about 35%. So there's going to be a bit of a catch up And, and that catch up they're expecting to start coming through next year.
0: And of course, immigration, it's not, you know, we had this, as I called last week, revenge immigration, and it's probably coming off of the boil a bit, but there's nevertheless immigration, which supports house rises. It's pretty
1: low quality immigration. Less
0: construction, lower interest rates, and and there's a sort of thing, the mood. So talk about the mood (laughs) out there, how that plays a role.
1: I guess we've had FOOP which what's, is what's the, fear, the fear of overpaying. And yeah.
0: So if you think prices are gonna be cheaper tomorrow, why the hell would you buy today when you're talking of the biggest investment you'll make in your life? Yeah, now
1: this is the interesting thing, right? This is the big problem that China's got at the moment. Right. I've got massive foop going on over there. Like consumer confidence is uh, is probably, if not the lowest on record close to it. Yeah. Um, I think the Chinese government stopped publishing consumer confidence <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: as a means of trying to what a improve a great way
0: them. to run a- <laughs>
1: you know um <laughs> kind of crazy right but it's a real problem for them over there because house prices are falling hmm. year on year i think down i think well it might be house sales activities down about 30 hmm. percent so you know it's a real concern for them that's what's driving um so with um, country garden their issue wasn't you know i forget who it was that that collapsed a couple of years ago, that was because they were over leveraged. Mm. Country gardens issue is actually that um, sales activity is collapsing.
0: Right, so thinking back to New Zealand then, we had a, have had a fear of overpaying. Is there that there now? No, it's no. gone. So that's gone. Of course, two years ago we had FOMO, I've just got to buy yeah. today because tomorrow the price will be high and I keep going to these open homes, making an offer, and I miss out. So the next time I pay more. Yeah. So it's that missing that's, out thing. So That's, that's are,
1: not here. Are
0: we in the sweet spot between those two peps? right now? I think now?
1: so. I mean, I think FOOP's gone. There's definitely a sense out there that, and you keep seeing it now in the media, right? Everyone's sort of saying, oh, house prices are bottomed out. Um, so I think, I think FOOP's gone. I think people genuinely understand that, hey, there's some pretty good buying mm. out there at the moment. Mm. Uh, it's not fomo i I don't think you're going to see fomo for a while the risk of fomo i don't think you'll see fomo for probably two or three years
0: so it's first home buyers that this part of the conversation is really about isn't it because if i'm moving house i'm selling and buying in the same market yeah if i'm an investor I only want to buy const- uh, new builds at the moment because of the tax changes. That might change. That might change. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you might see investors <clears throat> come back into the market as they get more confident that the interest deductibility rules might change, won't change construction set aside. So, actually, if you're thinking about first home buyers, it sounds like if uh, you can afford the interest rates at the current level, you've got enough deposits, so you, you generally want a 20% deposit, but, you know, we can help customers with as little as 10%.
1: Yeah, or even less. Yeah, so you've yeah. got to remember, we've also got access to Kanga Ora's schemes. Yeah, okay. Now, that's both shared equity yep. and also their, their loan product, right? So with shared equity, you can actually get people into market with as little as 5%. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, and that, you know, are you overpaying? No, house prices have sort of bottomed and pretty much everyone's caught on that and there's lots of forecasts for them to start rising, whether it's 1% or 2% or 8% like Westpac's at that sort of high end, mm. then house prices are sort of at a balance level. So I guess the point is we're in an absolute sweet spot, especially for first home buyers to enter the market. That won't last, is probably fair to say, but so long as they can afford the interest payments. So it's yeah. a great time to be a first home buyer.
1: Yeah, it, well, it certainly feels that way, right? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, And I think the thing for first home buyers is it's going to be a good market for them for a few years, right? The interesting thing is going to be what happens with investors. So We've had a 20% nominal decrease in house prices. It's probably about down about 35% in real terms. Um, some parts of the market are down more. So South Auckland, um, Upper Hutt, if you think about Wellington, mm. you know, these markets have been absolutely smashed. Mm. And uh, I think what's interesting is that probably at the moment they present a really good buying opportunity. Um, I don't know that you tend to get a lot of 1st home buyers rushing into those parts of the market. Because generally where first home buyers can afford, they've Mm. got higher incomes and therefore they're probably trying to get into different markets. But Mm. um, the interesting thing is going to be, you know, interest deductibility comes back onto rental properties. And I think you're going to get a lot of um, property investor activity swooping back into those parts of the market.
0: Yeah. Okay. Hey, um, let's turn to Commons Cash Cow Has Colic. So <laughs> <laughs> let me, uh, no, you know, let me share, it's here. not often you read the Australian Financial Review and laugh out loud, which I did and yeah. a few of us here at Squirrel did the other day because the headline we read was, why the New Zealand housing market keeps Aussie bankers awake at night. And the byline said, the New Zealand home loan market is a worrying case of how savagely bank lending margins get whittled away when demand for credit is weak. And essentially the theme of the article was an interview of an Australian financial review journalist or columnist with Matt, uh, listening to Matt Common and his finance chief. So Matt Common is the CEO of Commonwealth Bank. And he was talking after the release of their $10.2 billion Australian dollar full-year profit. Um, and he's lying awake at night worried about bank interest margins in New Zealand on home loans. And um, the reason we laughed is because the banking sector in New Zealand hasn't been this profitable for a decade, JB.
1: Yeah, well, I think, I mean, um, you'll know the numbers, Dave, but you know your net interest margins are at record high
0: levels, right? Yeah, I mean, we're sitting at about 2.4. In fact, I think in a, some more detailed stuff, I subsequently read, ASB managed to stem its interest margin decline by one basis point from something like 2.39 to 2.38, you know, something <laughs> around there. Of course, these margins were at 2% couple of years ago um, now we'll go into this a bit more but like what's going on what, what are some of the facts in behind this is this for real well no of course it's not so the interesting thing in
1: New Zealand is, is a lack of competition on deposits yeah. which means that banks aren't paying high rates on deposits mm. and they're competing on home loans and so the spread between the two is at record high levels. They're making yeah. tons of money mm-hmm. internally. How they report that is probably, oh, housing's you know not making much, and we're making tons on deposit, which is disingenuous because at the end of the day, it's about how you manage the spread, yeah. right? It's
0: banking 101, isn't it? And of course, yeah. Matt Common knows he that, knows right? That. Yeah. So you know, it, I mean, to try and make that simple, you borrow money and you lend it at a higher rate. What's yeah. happened is, and in the middle, there's a wholesale rate. If you compare the lending rate to the wholesale rate, it seems they're really narrow at the moment. But flip side is if you compare the deposit rates, what banks are taking, paying on their savings accounts, transaction accounts, turn deposits That is blown massively. And net on net, you add the two up, you get something called interest margin, and that was 2% two years ago, and it's 2.4% now. Yeah. So back to your disingenuous sort of comment, it's almost hiding the reality of bank margins are at massive profits, yeah. and yeah. it's just looking at half the equation, right?
1: And, and let's be honest, it's probably some form of price signalling.
0: Yeah. yeah, Yeah. well yeah. this is the thing, this is what happens in oligopolies, right? So. The CEO of a big Australian bank with a big business in New Zealand tells the marketplace that margins on home loans are too small and they're backed off and they're reducing market yeah. share slightly.
1: But, you know, they did the same thing in Australia, right? Yeah. With Macquarie. Yeah. So CBA came out in the Aussie and said, oh, you know, you know. It's- margins are getting a little bit squeezed here so they got Um, rid of
0: all their cashbacks over there right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. and it was because one bank ceo said oh margins are tight and you know it's unsustainable (laughs) and unprofitable then another one said the same another one said the same and lo and behold suddenly cashbacks are gone Mm. that's how oligopolies work because there's nothing illegal about that signaling and i think what matt common's done is signaling to other banks in new zealand hey it's all very good we asb will back off on interest rates and push them higher, and I'd say they'll probably remove cashbacks at some stage fairly soon. And then other banks follow. And I penned an article on it about, I think it was the 4th of July, when ASB started their lift-in rates and Mm. and hypothesized that the oligopoly, which is banking in New Zealand, would follow ASB's lead, and sure enough, they did. So um, there's another article that publishes on our website Friday the um, 18th. yeah, well, uh, I mean, which, look, which it's, sort of goes through this sort of storyline, really.
1: Yeah, look, it's pretty tough, Dave. I mean, the poor banks, you know, they've got, <laughs> they've got record high net interest margins mm. and they've got big balance sheets, so they're making record levels of profit. Mm. The problem that they've got is that the boss expects year-on-year profit growth. Mm. And, and that's always, that, I mean, God, it's been that way for the last 20 years, right? It's like, okay, uh, last year's number plus another, mm. you know, 10% things. Mm. And next year is looking pretty bloody hard for that because there's
0: no balance sheet growth happening.
1: Well, there's no balance sheet growth happening because you know New Zealand's in a bit of a recession, and, and certainly house prices down. Everything's going to mean that there's going to be no balance sheet growth. And then the problem is that you, there's nowhere to hide. You, you get record NIM; it can only go one way, which is down, mm. right? And and I think the thing that we're seeing at the moment is that for a while there, I'm making huge NIM because all of that lazy money sloshing around in non-interest bearing accounts and and low interest savings accounts, what's happening is that that is switching. People are switching that into high interest call accounts and term deposits. Mm. And so their NIM, their net interest margin is under pressure. They've got no balance sheet growth. It's going to be a lot Mm. harder for them to report record profits next year
0: yeah with the commerce commission inquiry into competition in the retail banking sector yeah now getting into full swing it's sort of funny in some ways because you could sort of say <laughs> um you know yeah, it's sort of timing yeah it's sort of, <laughs> as i wrote an article it's particularly galling that, that is uh, banks are consciously expanding margins in the face of a pending commerce commission inquiry and here's my my uh my, my um, flourish for the finish is, if that's not raising the middle finger, I don't know what is. Because <laughs> yeah. it's sort of, but as you say, it's driven out of having that parent in Australia and having these really high profits over the last year and having to sustain them. And the only way to do that is push the pain off to homeowners, actually, isn't it? Yeah. And loan borrowers, yeah. Interesting yeah. dynamic. Right, uh, that probably wraps it up for today. I mean, a lot of these things we talk about are in articles on Squirrel's website, so hop over there, take a look at the blogs. There's a few videos there of us talking about various things too. that's DC and JB, JB for, another week. for another week. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have any questions or things you'd like us to talk about in the future, get in touch with us at david at squirrel.co.nz or john at squirrel.co.nz. And please do share this uh, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not financial advice or a recommendation of any financial product. Any commentary provided are personal views and are not necessarily representative of the opinions of Squirrel. As always, we recommend seeking professional investment or mortgage advice before taking any action.